0: Hello and welcome to the Work of Wellbeing podcast. I'm Amy from the Wellness Strategy and I'm your host, and sometimes just the person you're going to listen to talk. We have a range of episodes. If you haven't already dived into those, please go ahead and do so. But what this podcast really is about is giving you insights into different things that support wellbeing that perhaps we don't always think of. We have a range of guests who are going to broaden our understanding and experience on what well-being actually looks like, especially in the workplace. And I too will be sharing with you tips, insights, strategies, and just my overall thinking and ramblings. So hang out with us as much as you can, learn as much as you can, and if there's anything you want me to speak of or a guest you want me to interview, absolutely let me know because this is the work of well-being which means all of us are here together to do the work that matters most so you can have a thriving fulfilling life both in and out of the workplace. Hey Em, thanks for joining me. You're so welcome, thanks for having me. Thank you. Now we were just having a quick chat before we started and I was like I think we need to press record. <laughs> <laughs> we're like the gold Straight comes out in. before we exactly. actually record it straight in. So I'm super excited to have you here on my podcast because you have been in my life for a really long time. I don't know how long but you were one of the first mindset coaches I ever had and I've always stayed closely connected with the work that you do and gosh you have helped me in so many different ways. I even hear you in my head sometimes. I often quote you um, and share the wonderful things that you do, the funny reels that you make and I think you're just you're such a light to the space that is overcrowded with noise, and you bring a real clarity and realness to a space that, gosh, we need it. So, I'm excited for today's conversation. There'll probably have to be a part two and three, I reckon, because you know this could just go on all day. Yeah, we're both talkers. Let's be. Honest. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So. You, in your work, you, you know, international mindset coach, work with lots of different people and women and help them to see life differently. Can you tell us what that looks like for you, your mission, your purpose, and a little bit about how you got here?
1: Yeah, so I mean, it's a it's a lengthy story, but I'll try and give you the condensed version. I think I, like so many other people, had never really worked out what I should be doing and whilst my parents loved me they loved me so much I I feel very privileged I know not everybody has the safe family dynamic that I had Um, and I'm grateful for that every single day my parents absolutely loved me but they didn't know how to teach me I'm going to say resilience Uh. or intention so and school doesn't teach that stuff not certainly. It didn't in the nineteen eighties. It doesn't in twenty twenty three. So. Okay, great. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, progress is slow, but as long as yeah. there is progress. Oh, yeah. Um. And so I got to. I mean, I was a late bloomer in terms of personal development. I got to thirty four and I was waiting tables for 20 bucks an hour in a restaurant in Melbourne and I'd found myself over here originally from the UK found myself over here I followed a boy for love as as we do as so many do and obviously that didn't work out and I sort of found myself in Melbourne I had all of this debt I had worked in hospital my whole life I'd been to university but never with intention I went to university to have a good time you know like fun is one of my top values, and it is both a blessing and a curse because it means that my life is really fun. Um, but unless that is contained and harnessed in a very specific way, it can be very unresourceful. Mm-hmm. And I just followed the fun, I'd followed the fun, I didn't know how to contain it, I didn't know how to focus it. I you know really had I I just thought that one day I would grow up and it would all work out like someone would come along or something would come along or a bolt of lightning would come down or you know some external thing would happen and I'd be like oh that's what I'm going to be doing and that's who I'm meant to be and now it all makes sense and I kind of think it's like what a privilege to be able to live your 20s like that it was Mm. so much fun and i was living in london and i was having a riot and then i moved to australia in my 30s i just turned 30 and i was like right i'm going to get to australia and i'm I'm, the thing is going to find me or you know whatever it is that's going to help me yeah grow up i guess Mm. um and create direction and purpose for me that thing is going to be in australia and of course it wasn't because it's never external to you it's always internal But I didn't know that no one had ever taught me that and I didn't know that that's what other people were doing I thought other people had been given some kind of roadmap like I'd been in the toilet when God was handing out this is what you should be doing and I was late to the party you know like it felt like everybody I knew was sorting their shit out and you know your 30s especially I think it's when you know careers suddenly become important and thinking about buying and saving for your first house or maybe even having children. And suddenly your holidays start becoming these like really lovely European trips away. And that's what all my friends were doing. The friends that I made here in Melbourne, that's what they were all doing. They were talking about buying their second property or getting promoted at work. And I was earning $20 an hour waiting tables, feeling really hard done by. And It wasn't until I hit 34, there was a whole incident. I won't bore you with the details, but I ended up vomiting in my own hair. That's the punchline of that story. (laughs) And and it was the moment that I needed to sort of look at myself in the mirror and realize that what I was doing wasn't working. And being in the waiting game of your life is such a painful place to be. Yeah. Just hoping and wishing, you give all of your power away to nothing. Because the answer isn't outside of you. So you're, you're literally giving away all of your power. I felt so out of control. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then a friend of mine said, oh, you should go and see a life coach. And I was like, I don't want to do that. Because of course, when you're in that kind of mindset, by this time, I'd like riled myself up. I was so angry and I blamed everybody. And, and so the moment that someone even begins to offer you a glimpse of solution, I didn't know how to take responsibility to mm. That or to follow that curiosity or to lean into an opportunity. I didn't know how to do that either. All I could see was the reasons I couldn't because it felt weirdly familiar to stay where I was. And eventually I thought, well, I'm gonna lose, the little that I have, I'm about to lose that because friends were getting bored of my moaning. I was getting bored of myself. No one was coming to pay off that massive credit card bill that I was ignoring. And no one was sort of walking out from stage left saying, oh, sorry, you've got the wrong script. Here you go. Here's the other life that you should be living. So I went to this life coaching weekend. With all my armor up and all my defensiveness on. And it was the first time anyone had ever turned around to me and said, you are responsible, directly responsible for results that you are producing in your adult life um and someone who they, they differentiated fault and responsibility so there are some things that happen that aren't your fault right yeah yeah maybe your parents weren't great maybe you weren't blessed with great parents or you know maybe something did happen in your childhood and that is not your fault but as an adult it is your responsibility to learn to heal to do the work Mm. and to direct your life in a way that feels fulfilling and purposeful and like you're contributing and that is possible I'm not saying I mean obviously I'm sitting here behind my veil of privilege I'm completely aware I am white I am able-bodied I grew up in the UK I have an Australian passport I'm acutely aware of my privilege and we're not all starting at the same starting point and some mm. of us even running the same race I do understand that but I think For me, like, what excuse did I have? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Really, what excuse did I have? And that's when, that's really where this all started. So I signed up for this life coaching course, put put myself on a ridiculously extended payment plan. I was paying that thing off for years, years and years. But I knew that in the absence of knowing what I wanted to do and where I wanted to go, I had to instead focus on who do I want to be mm. this is the reason that I didn't know where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do this this idea of like the mecca of purpose right we're all we're all searching this thing that is going to answer our problems this purpose and that's what I was looking for I was like what's my purpose I just need to find out what my purpose is and so I knew I was never going to find out that until I found out who I was mm. you can't find out what your purpose is unless you know who you are And so that was the path that I took. I I didn't enroll in this life coaching course because I thought for a second that I would start my own company and become an international coach. That's not what I couldn't comprehend that I was that sort of person at that time. But I just knew that I had to find out who I was. And I knew that once I started on that path, then there would be doors that opened, there would be opportunities that sprang forth and there would be some answers. And since taking that path, I have completely changed my whole paradigm around finding a purpose I don't believe that again I don't believe that God stands there <laughs> dishing oh, out yeah. to people I think some people learn how to live a purposeful life oh, and Gosh, that is a phenomenon that most people are looking for how can I live a life that feels purposeful to me that contributes to the community around me and you know again in this sort of technological Instagram age I think we're taken away from that because we mm. think the purpose means living a life without problem, looking a particular way, having a particular set of material possessions, because if you have that, then because we only see the highlights of someone's life, then your life will be comfortable and easy. But the harsh reality of life is that it's awful. <laughs> like yeah. a lot life is awful it, it is. is
0: yeah it's hard right yeah it's real hard there's <laughs> death and there's disease and there's other people god is there anything worse than other people sometimes oh my gosh sometimes I'm like can everyone else just leave and I'll just cruise on through yeah just stop like oh talking. other people <laughs> yeah. I was watching I very rarely do I watch mainstream media news but
1: the other day mm-hmm. I was at my friend's house and it was on on her on her telly in the background and I just I just looked at the television and I was like stop talking just stop Oh, these words yeah. are so ridiculous yeah And it, it just you know this I think part of living a purposeful life is learning and this is where the wellness theme comes into it is learning how to manage your mind mm. so that you can think critically so that you can discern your own wisdom and creating a set of spiritual scaffolding is, is the terminology I've started using for this some mm, I love like, that. life principles that hold you up when the shit is going down because shit's gonna go yeah yeah and to build a certain level of emotional resilience and and part of emotional resilience you know emotional resilience isn't defensiveness and it's not I don't have to have emotion emotional resilience is god that hurt me so deeply and I know I'm going to be okay emotional resilience is Oh, I can't believe I'm opening myself up to this much joy. And I, I'm going to be able to handle when that joy eventually dissipates or when it moves away, because everything is transient. And I, thanks to my spiritual scaffolding, I understand the transience of life. So I know that not, no emotion, good or bad, if you want to use those sort of binary terms, no emotion is forever. It, it is all in transience. And I, I can handle all of it, the full spectrum of it. Mm. I think that is wellness I think that is living a purposeful life I think that opens you up to taking opportunities that maybe you wouldn't take if you were closed off or if you believed all of the stories that your mind told you mm. and I think that's living a purposeful life and it, it yeah. doesn't have to mean and this is a really relative, relatively recent journey that I've been on it doesn't have to mean Living like like define extraordinary, right? I think we're all looking to live this extraordinary life, this phenomenal life, this outstanding life. And I think we have linked those sorts of words to having a million dollars in the bank account, or you know, sailing around on a yacht, or marrying a perfect person, or and it's not an extraordinary life, is were you known, were you seen, were you loved? Could you do those things in return for other people? Did you have community? Did you hold yourself in times of toughness and expose yourself in times of light to help other people? And I think there's a lack of conversation
0: around. Yeah, hugely. Yeah. And and that piece about... It's not finding purpose. It's knowing that purpose exists. It's like, you know, we think the grass is always greener, but actually the grass is green. You just need to water it. You know, you just need to pay attention to what's there because it's there. And we're always wanting to push beyond or think that it's not good enough. You know, we're so hardwired to find fault and negative. And so many of us have relationships that are built on negative ways of thinking and being and you think your life is hard no my life life is way harder you know we don't we don't have that community where we lift and build each other up to recognize and realize that hey there's so much purpose and beauty in what we have right here I mean yeah life there's always going to be dramas and rubbish and shit that happens like that's life but that ability to know that where you are gives you the opportunity to be who you want to be and not thinking that it's somewhere else and yes of course for some people, their circumstances isn't that, but for many listening, you know, it it is, and it's that self responsibility piece of mm. we play we play a role mm. in the life mm. we create decisions actions behaviors meaning, and so many of us want to outsource that, yeah. or want to be able to scroll on Instagram and find ten things to do that they that we can tick off on a list and say, well, I've done that now, so why isn't everything fixed? Why isn't everything better? And and it's not that because so much of what you teach and i think what i've learned from you really is about mastering and managing your own mind your own thinking and your own thought patterns and gosh we're not taught that and gosh that is hard really confronting work and i even even now years later still adopt that and use it all the time and catch myself going oh my god is that why are you thinking that like where did that come from how like my goodness don't say that out loud (laughs) you know it's just that forever ongoing work but what are what are some of those key things to being able to manage that that mind that story that internal thought I mean first as I'm saying this I'm thinking gosh do people even know that that inner thought exists
1: yeah I mean I didn't I didn't have a clue didn't have a clue that I that What I believed to be true altered my perception of reality and Mm. therefore altered the opportunities that were available to me and changed the action that I would and would not take. You know, there were opportunities. I look back now and I see that there were opportunities laid in front of me, pathways, manicured pathways (laughs) with a clear direction that had been offered to me time and time and time again, and I hadn't seen them hadn't seen that they were there because i could not identify with myself as somebody who was allowed to walk that path oh and so they they literally visually disappeared in front of me even though that they were actually there and what we believe to be true who we identify as the thoughts and the stories that we tell ourselves and this is where I think I'm going to talk a little bit about manifestation here. And this is Mm-mm. where I think ma- manifestation has been misunderstood and bastardized because it is a bit like magic. It does yeah. begin to feel a bit like otherworldly. Like if you change the way that you think, if you change your perception, if you shift your perception of yourself, your actual physical reality will change. Now, the physical reality around you hasn't changed. But your relationship to it has what you see available to you has changed, the sorts of action that you take changes. And the moment that you take different action, different consequences happen. So of course, your reality then begins to morph. And I think there is, um, uh, and again, I've been sucked into this, I got so deep into this, and I kind of sucked myself back out of it, this idea that, you know, if you just learn how to manage your mind so that you never have a negative thought again and you mm. only think positively then then you know you'll have this wonderful magic life and that's that's not how it works that's not how manifestation works Mm-mm. and it's certainly not how your brain works because you know imagine just never having a negative thought again I've just had one now just then
0: I just don't um, even know if that's possible
1: how do you know, do that? exactly it's impossible <laughs> you can't you can't control your thoughts no. but what you can do is you can manage them and there's a there's a massive difference between those two things mm. And so I think for me, like number one, the first stage for me is conscious awareness and conscious awareness, although it sounds so trite and so and so easy to minimalize it. Oh yeah, I know I'm having a bad thought. Well done, Em, now my life's I, Like, But it is, it's such an important, because I didn't have conscious awareness of my thoughts. I didn't know how to listen to them. I didn't know how yeah. to feel them in my body. I didn't know to observe the words that I was saying or the action that I was taking. And to be curious, I didn't know to be curious about. Myself. Yeah, yeah. I was like, well, this is just the way I am, and this is just yes. who you are, and this is just the way that life is. And so, the moment that I began really immersing myself in personal development and like listening to podcasts and reading the books and signing up to the courses, and I began to realize that you know there is a way to to observe yourself, to witness yourself, and to be curious about yourself, and that means that we have to apply a lot of self forgiveness and mm. look through the lens of compassion, compassion and yeah. judgment which again easier said than done we're not always going to get it right and that's okay because we're all human is to observe our thoughts, to observe our stories. And sometimes we can observe that in our actions. Sometimes we can observe that in the way that we physically feel about something. Sometimes we can observe it by just listening to it, you know, or the way that we fantasize about something or catastrophize about something. Uh. You know, that is our, our unchecked thought, having a little play and, You know, I did it the other day because right now we are, whether we like it or not, we're in the middle of a a global financial crisis. The cost of living is through the roof and money is becoming an issue for more and more people. And the knock on effect that that is having. And I found myself the other day just being like, oh, look, and I could feel it in my body and I could hear it in my thoughts. And I began to notice it because I was talking about it to anyone that would bloody listen about it. And then I was like, okay, I I can see a pattern here and I I can observe myself. And this is where meditation for me, Mm. meditation and mindfulness are key to to the process of managing my mind is I begin to observe it and I'm not going to do anything about it. I'm just going to observe it. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to notice it. I'm going to be in love and compassion with myself as I do that. And then I'm just really gently going to question it. Does this have to be the truth? Is this the only reality that's playing out here? What other perceptions can we put or perspectives can we apply what else can we make this mean and what is this fear trying to tell me and what do I want to do with that fear how much do I want to let that fear manage my behavior or do I want to take back control of that fear I can't get rid of fear we don't try and get rid of fear we don't try and never have negative thoughts or negative emotions that's a impossible and b not the point because we want to love ourselves in our entirety um But we just need to be like, okay, I can see my fear playing out and if I allow my fear to continue taking the lead, I will continue to make fearful decisions, I will be reluctant, I will not sell as much, I will, you know, all of it will stop investing in my personal development or stop investing in, you know, the stock market or whatever, whatever it might be, Right. And so I then have to realize and and recognize that I am manifesting based on my fear. And Uh. if I manifest based on my fear, guess what results I'm going to get? And so then I have to just ask myself, how much do I want to relate to this fear? How much energy do I want to give this fear? Or do I need to start doing some work around this fear? What belief system is showing up for me right now? And most of the time, it doesn't matter like, The process is irrelevant. When we boil it down, whatever questions you use, whatever strategy you use, when we boil it down to the very core belief or fear that is at play most of the time, it reduces right, right, right down to, am I good enough, am I loved and do I belong? And whether that be a money fear, whether it be a relationship fear, whether it be a career fear, am I enough, do I belong, am I loved? And so, you know, for me, self-love is so much of this journey because self-love takes me away from fear. Can I trust myself to show up and take the action? Do I trust myself to try and fail? Do I trust myself to know that I might ask for a sale and be rejected? Can I handle that? And that's where the emotional resilience part of being a human being comes into play for me. Can I handle uncomfortable feelings? Uh. And that is part of wellness you know, wellness isn't about feeling good. (laughs) Wellness is about, can you handle it? Because the more that you can handle, the more you can create. And the more you can create, the more expansive and fulfilling and purposeful your life begins to feel. And that's got nothing to do with, can I handle, you know, fame and fortune and money and not, you know, that again, it's like, just can I handle the expansiveness of life? Can I handle the feeling of life? So that was a really waffly answer to a question. I'm not even sure if I answered it, but ultimately, <laughs> I mean, I don't know what the question
0: was, but it's <laughs> great. <don't know>.
1: <laughs> How do we manage our mind? Yeah. is Observation, curiosity. And I mean, there is a formula to it, but anyone can do it. Like, yeah, I think it's knowing the, yourself.
0: Yeah. And one thing that you taught me and just as you were beginning to answer that was, you know, we're so quick to defend our thoughts, but we don't actually realize they're there. Yes. Yes. So I often now, when I find myself wanting to defend a way of thinking or being, or it has to be done this way, or this has to be right, or this is what it is and and can feel that energy and emotion in my body, that's a real sign for me to to start to question and be curious. Like, is it, does it, where did that come from? Why do I think that? And definitely things like meditation and giving it space, journaling, um, asking those deep questions and just letting the answers come rather than trying to cognitively make up an answer but just feeling the answer like it it takes time and and trust and love and and self-compassion because it's Gosh, it's deep, vulnerable work, and we—it's not the quick fix. You can't outsource it. Someone can't do it for you. And we're so—so so many of us are looking for that—that that quick fix in terms of I just want life to be better, or you know, I, my, my well-being should, you know, be be amplified, and I, I should just, you know, everything should just be. Well, you, you should be responsible for my well-being. Yes, but say someone else do it. Yeah, my, like,
1: my partner is responsible for my well-being. My, and it—it it really is. It's such an inside job, and I think. Yeah, that's right. You asked me about the tools and the techniques. I think the 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 thing that I would say more than anything else is you're gonna fuck it up. (laughs) It's explorative journey about what your thoughts are doing, what beliefs are showing up for you, how your fears might be governing you. That journey is full of dead ends. And this is it's a bit like how do I learn to trust my intuition? Hindsight. The mm-hmm. the of time best of time. Yeah. I knew I knew I shouldn't have said that to that yes to that opportunity or I knew I shouldn't have trust that person or I knew I shouldn't have done this or I knew I shouldn't have done that or other times you know when it's gone the other way when I've been like fuck yeah I knew that was I even though other people said I shouldn't do it I knew I should and I did I'm so proud of myself for, for backing myself and showing up for myself in that way and again all we're doing is information gathering because hindsight a lot of the work that we do in in personal development especially with managing the mind is done in hindsight Mm. it's done retrospectively it's done with a journal it's done in contemplation it's done on a walk why did I speak to that person like that why did that thing piss me off so much Mm. why did I snap at Joan in the staff room yesterday what was that about Mm. as opposed to like Joan annoyed me yeah that's someone else's problem right? And Joan might have been a complete dick. Maybe Joan is a complete bloody knob and she deserved it. But your reaction to her is still your responsibility. And that's something to be inquisitive about. Mm. And, you know, as much as we would love to have an insight about ourselves and then be able to embody that insight and have that insight play out for the rest of our lives, that's not the way it works. Like I am... Mm -hmm messy and scrappy and I get being human wrong a lot I apologize to the people around me profusely all the time because you know I said something that you know I shouldn't have said or it was about me and not about them but I made it about them when it was really about me and Mm. and there's a, a a certain element of I guess humbleness that we have to come to with this work and we have to afford that for other people as well you know we have such high expectations of people you know we we assume that other people's behavior should be of this really really high standard that sometimes we're not even meeting yeah um you know people are allowed to get it wrong and yeah and there is a lack of grace i think in our society at the moment for that mm. um especially in leadership i think you know we're moving thankfully the paradigm around leadership is moving and it is changing you know again you and I were born and bred in the 80s, right? Where leadership was about hierarchy. It was patriarchal Mm. hierarchy. And I would tell you what to do and then you would tell the next person and then the next person would tell the next person. And if you were at the bottom of that triangle, boo-hoo you. Mm. And that's changing now. And thank goodness for people like Renee Brown and Simon Sennett. Isn't it wonderful? And people like you, Amy, doing this really important work. But I also think that sometimes we
0: expect our leaders to be I don't know superhuman superior yes a superior human you know in terms of expecting them because they have a title to have their shit together (laughs) (laughs) we're just just humans and I, I I was sharing yesterday too you know in some ways we have to extend compassion to our leaders because they're trying to figure this out. We're at a real we're at a real kind of clash point of where one, I think one generation sits and then another generation is coming in. And, you know, you and I, we're that middle piece. Yeah. You and us are definitely. No man's land. Yeah, we're like, oh, <laughs> gosh, do I go against the grain or do I hang out with the young people? Like I just yeah. do <laughs> yeah. Who am I? <laughs> in the middle. And then, you know, like I've got a brother. I've got two brothers, 10, 12 years younger than I am, and they have hugely different ways that looking at the world and what they want to do with their life and how they engage in their jobs. And then, you know, they both have gone to university and have high performing jobs, but just how they engage with that and understand what it means to, to work in a way that suits their life rather Mm. than try and fit their life around work and be open about that and share that and ask for that. And I've really had to catch myself at times and think, you know, just because, they're doing it differently doesn't mean they're doing it wrong. In actual fact, we need to learn from people who think differently and and who have these new ways rather than want someone to perhaps rescue us or change us or blame our leaders because they're not there. It's a huge shift for everyone. And we're trying to figure it out. Like we don't
1: there are so many paradigm shifting at the huge. moment in our
0: society.
1: Never before has so much changed in such a short space of time because of the technological age, but yeah. not just with technology, it's with everything, our paradigm around gender, our paradigm around patriarchy, our paradigm around feminism, our paradigm around time and workplace and leadership, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. it is changing so unbelievably rat- rapidly. And I love to think that I am a forward thinker and I love to think that I am a, you know, sort of staunch feminist. And But there have been ideas and there have been shifts in our language and our vernacular that I have struggled with and that I've had to like okay hang on a minute I need to do some of my own personal work around this I need to I need to work out where my fear lies around this Mm. because whenever and again to hop back to that question which is like how do you begin to start navigating this managing your mind piece it's like the places to start looking are where the friction is. Where do you feel yeah. friction in your life? Either a relationship that's not working or a pattern that keeps repeating or something that you desire that you're not getting. There is a, a management of your mind around that piece that is probably got quite a lot of gold for you to mine through so that you can make some changes and that you can you know, create a different reality for yourself. But you know, as the world has changed so rapidly, I have had to do a lot of my own internal work about that, around that, because there are systems in place that really bloody work for me, and they're being disrupted. And I have had to look at that, and I have had to apply compassion to myself as I have looked at that. And I think we're not going to create an equitable life for our neighbours and for ourselves and for our future generations unless we are willing to look at our own fears around it, because. Mm. That only halts progression and it, and it only creates friction in ourselves. And I don't think, again, I, don't, I think we're, we're so scared. Cancel culture has got us running so scared. We're so scared to be like, I don't understand that. Or can someone give me a bit more information about that? Or that really scares me. I'm not sure why yet, but I'm going to go and I'm going to go and figure it out. And then I'd like to have an open conversation in a safe space about my fear around that. And I don't think we give ourselves in society enough grace to sit in the gray area. And I think we're seeing this in politics. We're certainly seeing it in America right now, this massive division. Um, What we're doing is we're polarizing each other further and further and further into our separate corners because we don't feel safe to meet in the middle and go, I don't get it. Explain it to me. Yeah. And this is my fear around that. Mm. You know, there is a lack of, um, yeah, I think there's a lack of safety. There's a phenomenal woman. I'm not sure if you follow her, but if you don't, you should. Her name's Africa Brooke. Oh, I do. Yeah. Oh, God, I love her work. She just, mm. you know, it, it, this idea that you, we, in order for our society to progress, we need to find a space to say the things that we might be scared of saying without being judged or cancelled by the person next to her
0: yeah have, have you watched that tv series this is us it's on amazon no it's brilliant it's such a it's such a delightful show on family and family dynamics and how to manage it but the there's a husband and wife couple in there in in know oh, there's lots but a husband and wife couple and they would do this thing and um I thought oh this is so it and one said to the other permission to say all the thoughts in my head without being judged <laughs> And they just, yes. they just let each I other go. Amnesty. Any thought. And they just, they just like, like tennis, back and forward with the most, and they're horrible, like mm. horrible. And they're like things I'm afraid of, like fear-based, crazy thoughts that are coming up around a scenario. But actually it's brilliant because it, what they're doing is they're saying this is sp- safe. We're mm. okay here. It's okay to have these thoughts. This is my safe person. Let's say them. And there's no there's no justification of the thought there's no trying to fix the thought there's no telling someone they're wrong about their thought it's just giving space to let it come out and then they can navigate through that as as they need but it it's possibly one of the missing strategies we're not using for ourselves in relationships in a workplace to be hey let's just say all the things right now that are causing us immense amounts of fear safe space go yeah nail like,
1: it all down throw it all go out for it. and this is the interesting thing about fear and this is a, a brene brown analogy um around fear and gremlins you know the, the film the gremlins from like mm. the 80s or whatever yeah when they eat the, pizza. the gremlins yeah. to the light their power dissipates and that's the same as fear and shame right a lot of the time the moment that we say the words out loud they lose all of their power not all the time. Obviously, some fears run really, really deep and some fears are really fucking justified. Mm. But so much of speaking our fear in a safe space and being witnessed in our fear, there is so much power in that. Um, I found that in AA rooms actually, the power of hearing somebody else's experience or your own experience. It's hearing your own experience spoken by somebody else even if it's contextually different yeah it's like it's un- this like I am not the only one yeah I'm not the only one that feels that I'm not the only one that's scared of that I'm not the only one who is now in that because somebody else is having that experience too which immediately takes away some of the shame it immediately takes away some of the uh well definitely takes away the loneliness. Um, And it kind of takes away. I'm going to use the word specialness, you Mm. know, like that feeling of like I'm the only one in the whole world, Sandra, that feels like this. And then Sandra's like, No, I feel like that. Yeah, me feels like that, and Nora feels like that. Mm. And then all of a sudden, you're like, Oh, then maybe the feeling
0: that I'm having isn't
1: isn't such a big deal.
0: No, it's totally valid. But maybe if more people are having it, we need to pay attention to it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: You know, like I, in some of the work I do, I often say there's real power in what we complain about. Mm. There's power in our whinging, especially if a lot of us are doing it. Like that's data. That is actually data we need to pay attention to because it's an insight into what's actually going on. And we're so quick to disregard it as not being valid when in actual fact, the things that cause us that resistance or friction or tension in our life, other other pieces we need to really critically look at and say hey is this working or not
1: Mm. so this is off topic necessarily of leadership but it's something that i've had to again like do a little bit of soul searching about because i'm a staunch feminist (laughs) and recently there's been obviously the the rise of people like andrew tate right Mm. really worrying terribly disturbing and again easy to sit in polarization and be like he is wrong and I am right yes and that's just the way that that is and we should cancel him we should get him off the internet but he's touching on a problem that is valid because it's in existence Mm. if it is in existence it is valid now most of the people the vast majority of the people that would follow someone like Andrew Tate Know that rape and physical violence and emotional abuse and verbal abuse of that kind are wrong, and probably wouldn't partake in it themselves. So that's not the bit of Andrew Tate that they are attracted to. That's probably the bit of Andrew Tate that they're like, that makes it makes me feel weird now that I'm that I'm watching him. So I'm going to sit in the shame of that and I'm not going to tell anyone that I'm watching him. So, right. So now we've got shame on top of that kind of voyeurism mm. which is really dangerous because now you're standing in the shadow with your yeah you know now you're not now you're hiding people, it, right? this is where people get yeah. radicalized right yeah. and so the problem is that there are for whatever reason a huge amount of people many of them men most of them men who feel threatened by feminism and disenfranchised by feminism. They don't know their place in the world. They don't know how to be a man in the world. Now we can look at that and be like, fuck them, down with the patriarchy. But are we just pushing a radicalized section of society further into the shadows where they will just gather strength and continue to create a paradigm for themselves where women are wrong, where women are the problem, where, and so like, again, it's like, we need to create some space in the middle where we're like, okay, you know, we can coexist here. Yeah. We get, you get to be all of who you wanna be. You get to feel masculine, you get to feel heard, you get to feel important, and so do we. Uh. I think we're missing a beat somewhere. We're doing. I, it, we're not just doing it with with patriarchy and feminism. No, we're not doing it in that we're doing way. It with,
0: we're doing it with, with gender. We're doing it with. We're doing it with guns. We're, yeah. We're doing, we're doing, doing it
1: with. with everything. Yeah. Everything. And and I think you know I don't have a solution to this. I'm talking high level idealism. I don't have any kind of solution other than I think we have to do the work at an individual level. I think we have to learn how to be brave. I think we need to find and create safe spaces for people. And in order to do that, we have to look at our own judgments. We have mm-hmm. to look at our own fears. We have to look at our own, um, you hate to use the word shadow, but I guess our shadow, own shadows. Yeah. You know, we have to learn in a weird way. We have to learn a bit more compassion.
0: Yeah, for ourselves and others. Yeah, and and, and I think, and compassion doesn't mean we accept that or say no. something's well, okay. I'm not like, saying we should let Andrew Tate back on the internet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's you know, not it, what I'm saying. He's going to men, it, loads right? of
1: guns and yeah, tell no. to shoot out anything that pisses them off. That's not what I'm saying. No. But what I'm saying is we cannot ignore where there is friction. Because yeah, friction surely. will grow. And the friction will intensify and the friction will spread. And that is the same with our individual lives, our individual relationships, our individual manifestations. And it's the same as society at large.
0: Mm, Yeah. And, you know, we can... Yeah, we've just talked about some really big things happening in the world, but you can chunk it right down even into small things with yourself, it doesn't always, we don't always need to focus on the friction in the big spaces, because it's a pattern, and in some ways, they're a reflection of the small things as well. So whether it's huge things that are going on in the world right now, or whether it's your own internal work, it's just about identifying those So Em and I had a bit of a tech glitch. I think I was going to finish this by saying we need to identify the big things and the small things because that's all we can do. However, rather than continue this conversation, Em and I finished this episode with the Fast Five. But as I'm sure you can hear, we have so much more to catch up on. So stay tuned for Em's Fast Five coming up now and the next episode at some point. Well, let's finish there. Seeing as though we had a little tech glitch, I feel like, you know, that's a message from the universe. So that's okay. Yeah. Shut up, girls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really want to ask you about spiritual scaffolding, but we'll do that next time. Um, but I want to finish with our fast five. So questions all about your own well-being, personal development journey, wellness, whatever way you want to take them. Ready? Yeah. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. What's something you know now that you wish you knew when you were younger? That I'll always be okay. Whew. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Could we just like teach that in schools? Yeah. Um, what book are you currently reading
1: um i've just finished the vanishing half by brit bennett i think and i've just started um patty smith's autobiography called mm. just kids i think it's called she's a brilliant writer phenomenal oh, writer right. yeah uh, what
0: are your non-negotiable
1: well-being or wellness habits uh sleep nature mm. meditation and good people
0: oh good people we should talk about that too <laughs> um what's something you've tried to implement for your own well-being or wellness but it just hasn't worked a really strict routine <laughs> oh yeah I feel that <laughs> oh, yeah I've had to really lean
1: into who I am and not who I think I should be I
0: um was only reflecting on that this morning isn't that funny I had like mm. intentions to do all this stuff before we jumped online I didn't I did not any yes. of those
1: same same (laughs) I just sat looking out the window with my dog and I actually think that was
0: probably the thing that I really needed to do oh Uh, look you know yeah I mean I washed my hair went for a walk along the beach did some journaling but that was not what was on my list but you know it's it's learning to do what feels right not what you think you should be doing yes huge huge um Mm -hmm. all right last one what area of life well-being or leadership are you working on right now
1: Um, I mean, probably all of it. I think probably my own judgments Uh. and recognizing how I judge other people and, and what that means about how I'm judging myself. So yeah, I think that because there is so much, there's so much going on in the world right now that I, you know, disagree with. (laughs) and you know I can get my soapbox about and so you know again like coming back to that place of how can I how can I recognize our sameness before I begin to examine our differences
0: oh yeah it's like that question like if that's annoying me about that person where do I do that in my life yeah 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 absolutely or like how can I
1: stay in compassion for this person even though our political views or you know our our whatever gender views or whatever are completely and totally and utterly different, how can I allow that person to still have a voice and hear what that person is really saying? Because sometimes people will say something, but what they're but what they're communicating is something completely different, right? So fuck all women probably doesn't mean fuck all women fuck all women probably means I don't know who I am and I don't know what my place is in this society right yeah, now I don't know how to and work I'm, I'm scared thing. that I won't belong mm-hmm.
0: you know so it,
1: for me like yeah that's I, I'm trying to build my
0: skill set I think around that that's massive isn't it? it that that curiosity not just for self but for others without judgment
1: yeah I mean it's hard and I get it wrong every single time but the in in the reflection I feel like I'm making process progress yeah mm, mm, yeah
0: okay that's awesome amazing let's leave it there that was just such a great conversation um I only really asked you one question that I had down so we'll have to come back okay. I'm so sorry <laughs> I can't talk I mean not I go you, off, that's I not you question, that was so us. I... <laughs> but it's you know, we, we've got to have these conversations, right? We've got to have the hard conversations about take responsibility, look at, look at your own thoughts, have compassion for self and others and notice where this is playing out. Because if we don't do it, then who else is? And how do we do this well? And how do we spread it? Like we have to give it, you know, I think time and space is totally undervalued and underestimated in terms of this change work. And so yeah. I think... You know, I would rather spend time and space today doing this than rushing through a bunch of questions just because I thought I needed to ask you them. You know.
1: Yeah, right. (laughs) I think. I mean, there's. I mean, I'm just going to say one more thing, and then I really will shut up. I think there's something really important in what you just said there, and I think again, what we're looking for is this like utopia, whether that be this person's going to come in and do a leadership training in our school, and then all of a sudden everybody in the school is going to be well behaved and they're going to be on the same team and it's yes, like fixed you know fix done you know we have to get the we have to make it imperfect before it is going to get anywhere close to perfect mm. and we're seeing this conversation so much around gender and transgender at the moment yeah we're getting it wrong yeah we're not always going to get it right well we are well, the parameters are changing and we're trying to make sure how how we can be fair and inclusive of everybody. Sometimes we're gonna get it wrong. And in getting it wrong, we're gonna learn what is gonna eventually lead us to get it somewhat right. Somewhat right, I think, yeah. Giving some kind of like, again, like compassion and patience. Yeah, Mm. patience is is something I'm also working on.
0: (laughs) Yeah, patience. And I've started to call it the transition period you know, we need to give ourselves time to transition from one way of being to another, whether that's personal, collective work, whatever. So all of that. Well, thanks so much for hanging out and chatting. Um, I am sure we'll see you soon, but we will make sure all of your details are in the show notes. But before we do that, do you want to just let us know where we can hang out with you? I mean, I'm saying we like I already hang out with you all the time, but so So, um, I guess the best place to really is um, Instagram. If you love a
1: good reel, I'm, yeah, a, I'm a real queen recently. So, um, yeah, hang out on Instagram. It's mchadbourne. And then I also have a free Facebook group, which is Unashamedly Human. Um, so, sort of live in there quite regularly as uh, a lovely little community building there. And um, I mean, if you really want to do the work, you can join the Amplify membership. Oh, join.
0: Um, we will make sure that's in there. I have been a member of Amplify many times and highly, highly recommend it. So, definitely. Thank you so much. Thanks for
1: today's chat. I'm sorry, it it was 20 minutes and it ended up being 53. So, you know, (laughs) it's
0: just how we roll. It's fine. (laughs) Thanks, Amy. Thanks, Em. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode it was an absolute delight to have you here if you want to learn more about the work i do in the wellness strategy whether it's for your own personal well-being or professional and workplace well-being the best place to hang out with me is on linkedin i share with you an immense amount of content strategy and information that's going to help you transform your well-being right now so head over there Simple, LinkedIn, Amy Green. You should be able to find that. It's also in the show notes. And if you need anything else, I'm across all other social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, and I'm even trying out TikTok. So you never know where this is gonna go. But thank you so much for hanging out with me. If you need anything at all, you can always send me an email. You can find me on those socials. But most importantly, just keep doing the work of well-being.